Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Future Break Podcast. I'm your host, Peter. And I'm your co-host, Serge. And this is the podcast where we discuss emerging technology, human behavior, and what this all means for the future. So thanks for taking time on your day to listen. Yeah, thanks for your time. And thanks to Cotton Bureau for sponsoring our podcast, where you can get quality, well-designed t-shirts that you can't find anywhere else. If you don't see any you like, you can go ahead and design your own. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool concept there, there too. Indeed. So find out more at futurebreak.net forward slash CB. Thanks to Cotton Bureau. I'm wearing your shirts right now. Minimal sunset, right, Peter? Minimal sunset. Great One of my favorites, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good topic today. Yeah. Privacy, a little bit of ownership rights, company versus customer. Who's in the right here? We'll find out, I we'll guess, find right? Out. So, like always, we'd like to start out with maybe a little bit of a story. And we're going to start talking about open source to begin with. Yeah. So what's open source, Peter? Open source, at least <laughs> to me. <laughs> you didn't expect that, did you? I didn't expect that. <laughs> open source to me is where, you, I mean, you can you can download something or you can work with something that somebody else created technically and not be in the wrong with it. And you can even use it to do certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Basically. Yeah. That's basically what it is. And the other, the other thing I want to add to that is that the company that makes the software and it's really applied to software most day, most uh, most of the time they actually provide the source code for it so the instructions on how to make that program work so they provide it out there in the world and and people can mess with it they that's can right yeah create another version create or, a new version yeah they it. can basically colla- collaborate to um to work on this open source project or whatever it is so yeah. And this is not this has been around at least the concept of open source has been around as long a long time. I can remember when I was in 7th or 8th grade and uh somebody came out with a open source I believe emulator huh. which emulated a Game Boy that you could put on your computer. Oh wow. And so you could play the Pokemon game. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> on your three eighty six or four eighty six <laughs> computer, it was incredibly slow. Um, nowadays, anyways, I remember that it just and it was free to download and all that type of stuff. Um, in all honesty, now that I think about it, you know, if I was playing the Pokemon game, I didn't pay for that though. I never thought about that. So was it open source or was it like I the now correct that. <laughs> version? Of it? That's a good question. So this episode, I feel like we're going to incriminate ourselves. Well, and- <laughs> might, yeah, it's one of those things. Where- <laughs> Peter, what's the statutes of limitations? I was, I was like thirteen at, at earliest. Maybe it was even younger than that. I bet. Yeah, I think some of our listeners probably remember oh, things like Napster, Napster, LimeWire. <laughs> Kazaa, <laughs> a bunch of these things, and I remember first time I discovered it. I'm like, oh, like I can find a song that I like, and you click on it, and it takes you like 30 minutes to download it because we had dial-up internet at that right, point, you know. Yeah. And uh, there you go, dial-up internet with oh, my favorite movie, yeah, I'll 
watch it in a couple days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you queue up the movies and <clears throat> let them run overnight or whatever. Um, and then what was the other big one? Well, then we got into software that was pretty prominent on those sites. So you could download like that's true. Yeah. Age of Empires. I remember Age of Empires. <laughs> some of these classics. As we were growing up as kids, you could download them and they had, you know, information on how to crack and patch the uh, application. Right. Download this and then here's the patch that you install in this for a while. And sometimes it got to the point where they're like, just download the patch. Like you can download the legit real version of, let's say, Microsoft Word or Office. Mm -hmm. And then here's the patch that you download and you run the patch and magically it lets you have word for free quotes free quotes hashtag not open source (laughs) (laughs) hashtag not free (laughs) um yeah you know i didn't really i didn't really get into the limeway or any kazaa stuff i don't think but i remember a place i was going i'd gone to school before i'd heard about an email like (laughs) i sent out because somebody said hey you're you're being investigated for uh somebody somebody downloaded something oh really illegally. um and this is a warning and so basically an email got sent to all the students said, yeah hey knock it off knock it off <laughs> shut it down now yeah and i i don't know i I, I suppose maybe that stuff still goes on today. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally? Totally. Well, now it's not. Is that it, what the whole Tor thing is? Yeah, it's okay. not It's not with, you know, LimeWire. It's torrents. So you can torrents. basically, pirate, the Pirate Bay is one of the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, torrenting sites where people essentially upload, you know, they upload their uh, program or whatever it is, and then you are... You download it, and then you're using peer-to-peer connections to make sure that you're not downloading it from, like, a central place. So you're downloading oh. parts of that program from... All maybe, sorts of different areas. All sorts, exactly. So it's not traced back to one, and you're, like, you seed the program. And, I, I mean, I talk like I'm very <laughs> fluent in Surge. <laughs> Surge. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, folks. No, okay. <laughs> Um, no, but torrenting is, uh, the technology is interesting itself. The, the Reminds way that, a little bit of blockchain, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Actually. The way, yeah. the way that it actually works. And I know, I know BitTorrent, um, is another big one that's been trying to kind of use that tech that they have developed for, you know, downloading games and things like that. Yeah. And applying that to, to like, um, I think video chatting, uh, you know, a bunch of different legit you know applications applications i guess so yeah that's kind of what uh what a lot of kids i'm sure i'm sure have done torrents and limewire and all that stuff back in the day at least back in the day yes and i so with that said i feel like there's a move towards having things more open source and actually more of a different like a free model that you're seeing yes or a freemium model where yep. you know you get limited features and then if you want more advanced features you pay so we're seeing we're seeing kind of a shift towards that um that's kind of what i've been 
noticing, I guess. Yeah, totally. And especially in the software world, it seems like that's a huge thing. Um, which has its challenges. I know for a little while there, Evernote was really struggling, actually. They had, they didn't have enough paid subscribers to offset the amount of free people that were using yep. the platform. Yeah. So anyways, I think they're getting past that, but, uh, speaking of hacking yeah. or, or a patch, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. One of the things that really sparked this episode was um, something we'd kind of seen, and then they, um, a listener had sent this in to us, of why American farmers are hacking their tractors with Ukrainian firmware. Ukrainian firmware? What is this? <laughs> this is an article on Motherboard. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I, I just tried to imagine my, my father-in-law, who's a farmer, all quiet and all sort, you know, just just a hard worker guy just being like, uh, do you know where I can get some, <laughs> I get this Ukrainian firmware? I mean, he's a John Deere fan himself, so, yeah. uh, man. So let's, let's hear the let's story, break this Peter, down. what's let's break going this down, on with huh? this. All right. So we did talk about it. I think in one of our previous yes. episodes. I want to say it was episode two. Yeah, yeah. Episode two. Uh, do you really own your car? Because what's happening right now is John Deere is, when you purchase a new tractor, you're signing a licensing agreement stating that you cannot really fix your tractor or your combine on your own. So what happens if you break down in the middle of you know, your farm? Then you need to call a technician to come out and do it, work on that, which is two hundred and I believe thirty dollar, basically upfront charge. Just like you go to the um, the the auto repair guy and he hooks mm -hmm. up his cable, right? Yep. There's a hundred bucks. There's, a, there's for a, like right? a, yeah. Yep. Basically, you do that, and that's two hundred and thirty dollars right there. And then it's about, about I think, $150 an hour. Yikes. So it's not it's not cheap, obviously. It's, it's expensive. Um, I understand that, yes, they're probably driving out to maybe sometimes some pretty remote parts. But that also brings up, we talked about this in that second episode, that takes away time. Right. Yeah. And most farmers I know, they are battling weather here in the midwest a good chunk of the time in the spring it's can i get things planted before the rain comes in or is the ground dry enough uh, before the next rain uh, or in the fall we got to beat you know the big snowstorms that come in yep and so um this is definitely not a pleasant thing to happen to a farmer yeah well it just it really I think kills their day because I know they they're out there. They're expecting to be home at eleven o'clock at night, probably if not later. You know, yeah, tilling or or you know harvesting or whatever they're doing. Yep, depending on the season. And yeah, to have something break down and then wait for a tech guy, a repair guy to come out. I mean, that's yikes! That kills productivity big time. Well, and. Like I said, the amount of massive square miles of you know agricultural land. Yeah, we should we should probably should have looked this up a little beforehand. But I'm guessing there's not a lot of technicians just even for our own area here in the Midwest. Yeah, 
And yeah. so if somebody is <clears throat> has a breakdown and then, um, you know, another farmer 100 miles away is a breakdown inside the service area, my goodness, that's going to delay that other guy significantly. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. It could really pile up, can it? It can really pile up. So, long story short, farmers are getting a little bit fed up, if you will. And <laughs> I don't think we, st- I don't think we still quite know where this firmware came. I mean, outside of it came from Ukraine, but it's my home country, by the way. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> I'm <laughs> proud of my people. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, we you make want, good, sir, do you want to talk to your friends about this? We make guys? good stuff for Peter, you know. It's like uh, <laughs> we take this John Deere stuff and we make it better. <laughs> they probably don't even have John Deere in Ukraine. Well, they have, they, they have, they I have mean, hackers in Ukraine. I know have, that much. They have the tractors because Ukraine is hugely agricultural Agriculture? as well. Okay. But yeah, they, I'm sure it's not as, I'm sure they don't have a robust service department. Let's just say that. And I feel like this is a response to to that imitation. <laughs> I wonder how many John Deere servicemen are out there in Ukraine. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I can see somebody getting fed up. Anyways, this uh, firmware came out that you could attach uh, to your. Well, basically, you run from your computer, and you can connect to your uh, tractor the cable. So you got to pay for that cable hookup um which is about looks like 80 dollars okay so you buy cable that's 80 bucks yes oh i should also note though the the there is a cost to the software uh, okay the firmware uh it's about 499 euros so at least probably about 500 bucks and there's also a database file that i think probably makes your life a little bit easier um for a thousand so Huh. Still not exactly cheap, but in a farmer is not going to think twice about those numbers if you were looking at it just as a high level, saying, "If I don't do this, I don't, I don't get my crops in." He's going to do it. Um, at least, at least if you're just away the the pros and cons right there, um, barring any legality here or anything like that you just sort of look at it objectively like that um do i spend fifteen hundred dollars so i can make sure i get my crops and so i can or get my crops harvested so i can make money um yeah that's not gonna phase them too much yeah so at least like i said objectively at that so they're they're having this problem right tractor breaks down right they buy the server they're like i've had enough of Dealing with people coming out and it takes hours, takes hours. to get them there, you know, and they, yeah. they buy this, basically this software patch, which overwrites and it, the firmware, what it does is it overwrites the like underlying code of the tractor and inserts the new code and looking at some of the, the things that you can do with it, it sounds pretty, pretty powerful, doesn't it? Yeah. So it looks like what what can you do? You can uh so they have a PDL file, which is that's the that's the thing you were talking about for a thousand a thousand bucks. Yep. Um you can modify speed limit. That's 
Yeah. From 40 kilometers to 50 kilometers an hour, <laughs> which probably makes their life a little bit faster, too. Oh, right. Yeah. They can crank it up a little bit, right? Yeah. 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 20% more speed. Yeah. It looks like you can do a lot of stuff to um, mess with the, this PDL file. So, <laughs> this, I'm just trying to imagine. Well, it says it's shipped. With a USB key, so you must be getting some sort of actual disc or, I don't know, download of some sort, or maybe that comes with the cable. This does remind me about this one time where I was trying to get a cheaper deal on um, P90X back in the day, (laughs) and have I shared this story before? I don't think you have, but I'm interested to hear. And uh, I purchased it for, look like, $40 less. And I still to this day am trying to figure out who, <laughs> who actually delivered this to do it to us. But let's just say my wife got a knock on the door. Open the door. This guy, not wearing any branded clothing for any like Gary or anything <laughs> like that, hands her this package that says book. <laughs> book for you. <laughs> Marked with Chinese lettering all over in the package. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) She's like, he wasn't wearing, he wasn't from UPS. He was, I don't know where in the world he came from. (laughs) And handed it to me with a little, you know, signature that says past customs. And they're looking at this and the way the packaging of the material is, it looks like a book. Okay. So that's why they label it as a book. Oh, yeah. Instead of a video. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man. And sure enough, it was an ex- exact copy, um, except for the the lettering was the wording was off. You could tell that somebody had, like scanned things and then tried to like. Oh yeah. You work out long time, you know <laughs> something. Was so. it like dubbed? Did you have some? <laughs> I, it, it it looked fairly legit after you got into it, but yeah. it, it worked, but. I just remember thinking to myself, okay, I probably shouldn't do that again. I mean, I didn't think it was a weird site, but anyways, yeah. So imagine that happening to a farmer then as well. Yeah. Either way, this brings up some good things to think about when it comes to, okay, do we want to be paying for this? Because right now, if John Deere finds this out on a a tractor or combine, they... They can sue their customer technically. That's crazy. And that's, I don't know. Because you spend like what, half a million dollars? I, yeah. I just think about if how not much a combine. Quarter costs. of a million dollars, right? Whatever, between yep. that range, buying the combine. But then you don't, you can't tinker with it. You can't like do anything to to fix it or whatever. And so you install the software and you could potentially be at an even bigger loss. Right. Or imagine the guy who buys it from somebody else who tinkered with it and then has a guy come out and service right. it and looks like, what? I didn't, I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they can tell, like if they can tell that something's been, they, they probably could with, if a tech actually comes in there and, and does the service. Looks at, oh, you changed it to 50 kilometers an yeah. hour. Huh? Yeah. 
kind of reminds me of jailbreaking. Do you remember jailbreaking? Like your iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? That was super... I still don't understand how this works. That was super big in the day, back in the day when like the iPhone had very limited, you know... Security? Well, not even security. It had very limited like features and things like that. So people are like, well, we can build our own features and do stuff like that 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 Apple won't allow in their store, but we can tweak the software and the OS itself. And so... Um, I've, I've jailbroken a few times, actually, my phone. You have? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know Peter, that. I'm a tinkerer, man. So, I think did the you first... Did from your friend that, <laughs> that did this to the John Deere? No. no I'm kidding. The, fir- <laughs> <laughs> the first one I did, like, you download the software to your computer, and then you connect your phone, and you, you kind of go through this tandem step process where you click some this was a while ago so this has obviously changed yeah but you would click on something on the computer then maybe click on something on your phone and then your phone would download this new software and then over you know over like 10 15 minutes or so um your phone restarts a few times and then when it restarts again you have this new app on there called Cydia when you click on Cydia that's like the crackers the cracked um, app store, basically. So you can download things like... Oh, wow. Yeah, you can download... So you can download from other people's? Oh, yeah. Well, you can download like... Inventions um, or whatever? Like tweaks to the to the layout of the, um, of the operating system. So like, you know how Apple has... Every app has to be... Like there's no space at the top. So like yeah. if you wanted a row at the top, gone. You have you can't do that, so you could download a tweak that lets you remove the the top row, and you can have like only one row of apps, and then they're all in the middle or all in the bottom. So these like little things that you could do. Some of them were pretty big things. Um, I'm trying to remember which which ones were pretty popular. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Like there's a did this well, I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. before this more recent updates to iOS were you able to remove Apple's apps that were I think so coded? yeah I, I didn't get I didn't get too I didn't get too much into it because I feel like there was something like that that people were talking about yeah you could you could have done that the software was really buggy and it drained the battery so oh. I I think I jailbroke two two iPhones at one point and I'm like this is just there's no need for it anymore because they kept coming out with really, you know, really great features. They were the jailbreak communities. You're like, oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But it was kind of cool. Like, you you know, you, and I remember showing some of my friends, I'm like, check out what my phone could do. And they're like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Um, but sometimes there, there was a feature that, that just made it totally worthwhile, you know, that you're like, ah, yeah, I totally need this thing. So I'm going to spend... You know, a few hours jailbreaking my phone. Man. And, and so I'm guessing if you brought your phone in to get service, oh, you'd yeah. probably be like, uh, no. Yeah, you'd have to go back and revert to to stock, basically. You'd have to wipe your phone and start all over again. And the problem with that was um, the, the other problem that jailbreaking caused was bricking. So I know, I remember the first really early jailbreaks that came out they would actually like what your is, your phone would just die so what 
And that's bricking? That's what bricking was. Yeah, it would just brick your phone. Basically, it becomes a paperweight. Oh, my goodness. You know? So, imagine you buy like a $600 phone, and then you try to install some software, and then... It just... It just does. It just does. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I think I remember hearing some stories about that, too. Yeah, I mean... So, does, Go ahead. Does that, like... Is that possibility with with this too? I mean, that's that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> tractor just comes to a, it's a big rock in the field. Yeah, now or you, something you like brick that. your tractor like oh, in the middle of nowhere, um, on your farm somewhere, and oh man, that's 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 risky, dude. I don't know. That is very risky. They'll be like, yeah, we can come out there and fix it, but it's going to cost you. Quite a bit, sir. Yeah. Oh, yes. And the newest, um, going back to the jailbreak, the newest one is is uh, from, I think there's a bunch of them from China now. And so some people are a little apprehensive, like, I'm getting spied on. I'm totally getting spied on by downloading this thing. Well, I wanted to bring this up, partly because I talked about it in my future breakdown. One of the things I said was a little concerning to me. Yes, you did. I remember that. Yeah. Was like this, it's almost like this hacking that imagine the whole massive John Deere um, harvesting time frame, like the amount of food that gets harvested. Mm-hmm. Not even like destroying it all, but somehow creating like an algorithm or a virus that takes out 10% of it. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Or five. I don't even know. What does that do then to the whole, um, like a, a food shortage? Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That, that, and and honestly, when I saw this, I'm like, oh my goodness. That's that happened a little sooner than I was kind of expecting it, to, or, or like, it's not ex- it's not exactly what I was talking about, but it's at least showcasing the fact that people are working to try to get around this licensing issue. And I think John Deere has got a real, a real struggle on their hands in some of these cases. Yeah. Fun fact, Peter. Yes. I went to a factory this week that actually creates the, the, the navigation units for John Deere. Oh boy. So I'm not going to name which one it is, but, um, it was amazing. (laughs) It was so beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, there was just so much, I mean, they, they have all kinds of different uh, um, stations set up to do like different components on different parts of it. So yeah. um, it, it's very much integrated within the tractor itself. So it's not just like an add-on; it's built in, and they're you know they're they're making wiring that is custom to the tractor and like figuring that kind of stuff out. So I mean, it's it's a lot of work, like. Seeing their logic boards made is crazy. <laughs> the the machinery they have to make that, and then the um, just how long it takes to do that and and make it work and quality control. Yep. And you got some, you know, vices from Ukraine going in there and and uh, messing with that stuff. Some guy with some time on his hands. Yeah, I mean, and, and I can see that. I hands. I can see the other side too. Like, we invested a lot of money. We you know, maybe we don't agree with John Deere's decision, but like you're messing with our stuff. Yeah, no, you I, know, and I've talked about how, you know, from like the Apple standpoint of kind of some of the stuff, 
Yeah. Being able to update every tractor remotely when there's an issue, I think is also actually a legitimate benefit, to be honest. Absolutely, yeah. So That's what Tesla's doing. They're just updating the, their cars, you know, when it's parked overnight. Right. And you've got a new software. Yep, yep, exactly. So speaking of Tesla, I know um, Elon Musk kind of has some uh, some really great projects out there. Um, the Hyperloop is one of them, and the other one is the the battery or the charging stations. Yep. And we talk about it ba- like basically every episode because basically we bring Elon Musk is like amazing. Yes, and um, so they they did. I remember a couple years ago they open sourced. Um, all of their patents on the charging stations, which was a big deal at that point, still which is, is a pretty awesome. Big deal. Yeah, I, and that's something that you and I are like really excited about. Yeah, open sourcing patents. Yeah. Um, if there's any downside that just is an automatic thing that you have to think about with that is the liability side of it. If you are a basically a third party manufacturer. Yeah. Um. Just in the sense of, like, I was joking with search. So I'm guessing if that means that Tesla's charger eventually causes the battery to start on fire, mm-hmm. the third-party vendors who Tesla. do that can't sue Tesla, yeah. um, which it's legal stuff, so there's probably a loophole in there somewhere. But but nonetheless, uh, that's maybe the, the downside of that. But But imagine the development. Of what people can do, um, mm-hmm. that allows Tesla not to maybe. I mean, our area is for Midwest city in the in the heartland. It's not. It's not extremely small. Um, hundred and what? What? Hundred eighty thousand probably now. Ninety. We're probably getting close to two hundred to be honest. Sioux Falls. Yeah, we're like one. Yeah, we're, 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 we were one seventy like in the last last uh, census. Um, yeah. So, um, that's a fair amount of people. Yeah. And I don't know that Tesla is going to be like right away going to be putting a, a charging port here. However, there is, there is a Tesla car in the neighborhood. I know that. Is there? My wife has seen it. My brother-in-law has seen it. Stuff like that. So, um, I mean, it's possible, but we talk about those charging, <clears throat> excuse me, those charging stations mm-hmm. for that to become more popular and more accessible. Um, I think Elon has done a really good idea of kind of opening that up so people can yeah, build that. It was a good, it was definitely a good chess move, I think. Um, making sure that, you know, number one, progress continues going forward. That's what he wants. It seems yeah. like that's what he always wants is he wants progress more than just control. Yeah. And again, it, it makes a lot of sense. The more charging stations you have, the more... Um, you know, people are less freaked out about range anxiety and they can go on a very long drive. Right. And what this allows people to do is let's say like gas station operators, you know, let's say um, the local one, like what, like BP, get and go, holiday, come and go. They can essentially develop their own using the patent. They can develop their charging base station and have that as part of their not only their gas, you know, their right. gas business, right, but also as somewhere on, on on their property and they can allow people to charge their cars. And the more people adopt it, it's like, well, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're going to come to the gas station in the future. You're going to pull up and 
plug in your your electric because convenience stores are what make this yeah road system go round. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love convenience, convenience stores. stores. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> jinx. Anyways, yeah, th- that's that's cool stuff. And the Hyperloop, the concept, I believe, it was an open source project for people to present their their like car designs, right? Yeah. So the Hyperloop, um, I think what happened was Elon just is he's a pretty busy guy. <laughs> he sleeps apparently about five, six hours a night. Um I believe that. And he is pops a few notos in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> he well, he runs two companies. He runs SpaceX and Tesla. And mm-hmm. so he has to commute be- between them because they're one is in the Bay Area, one is in uh, L.A. So that's the first, I know that's a lot the first of Elon Musk. That's the first hyper. Exactly. Right He's like, can you, well, because, yeah, you could get to San Francisco in 20 minutes. Easy. Private right? hyperloop. Um, Not private, private. So, yeah, so he he's like, I don't have time, but this is a great idea to further mankind yep. to go, you know, faster and longer and, and all that stuff. And, and so he, he wrote this huge document and, uh, I remember when he published it, I actually opened it up, read it a little bit. I was like, oh, this is a little techie for me. Really, really, really tech heavy, um, with all these formulas and all that stuff on there. But, um, I mean, it's it's spurred a lot of a lot of interest, and there's companies that are starting out because of that. That's true. Because he decided to publish that instead of holding it close to himself, and you know, maybe waiting five, ten years when he's maybe off off Tesla, let's say, right? When they've made their profit thing, and he can step down or not be so involved in it anymore, then start the hyperloop. Well, why not just publish it now and let people start working on it? He can always create his own Hyperloop company. That's true. You know? That's true. So, so yeah. <laughs> examples of open source um, or open open patents in that case. Uh, the other thing that uh, this reminded me a little bit of is kind of the whole Apple versus Microsoft versus yeah. Google and their approach. Um, Apple, you know, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious. Serge and I are, are Apple fans. Yep. Um, Fanboys, okay, is the official term, I'm sure. But uh, we do like Apple. And there's something that we've always, I think, thought was really cool about the fact that with one push of a button, they can release an update to everybody. And you can update your phone. We are, we are habitual updaters. Uh, and even habitual triers of the new OS before it comes out. Yep. Thank you for that, Serge. Actually, you're the one who got me on that. On the betas. On the betas, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Microsoft's got a different approach. Um, yes, they are they're work, actually working a little cl- more closely to that model, I think. But they, it's still more open. And people can develop mm-hmm. things a little bit differently, maybe even quicker. Mm-hmm. But you run the risk of viruses and more hacking issues. And the reason why I brought up Google is I used to joke around about this thing where Google, not too long ago, where Google said, hey, you can have un- unlimited photo storage. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on this one. And it's like, and we've got amazing features. 
like we can scan all your pictures and identify objects and people and and in your pictures. I got to thinking that's like one of the most easiest ways to learn about you and provide you a highly relevant targeted advertising. Oh yeah. And that, yeah, that's because that's that's Google's model. That's and that's slowly changing, but for sure at that time, still probably 90% of the company made money off advertising. It's it still is, Peter. It I mean and, and again, how they make money is they read your emails. They they sell your, you know, they they look at your information and they try to sell to you and try to make it where it's like, oh, well, what's Peter looking at today? What what makes a lot of sense for for us to show <laughs> Peter today, you know? And so that's how they do it. They sell space on their site to, uh, yeah. And when, and when this came out, I was like, I had the same reaction. I was like, this is cool. Like, okay. Unlimited storage. That's awesome. That's, yeah. Like, I always struggle with having, you know, my photos in 15 different places. And, like, it's not super intuitive. And I'll, I'll this is one ding, I think, for Apple for me is, like, the whole iCloud backup is for just for, for some reason, it just, I don't, I don't know. Just, it's not my favorite. Hmm. maybe it's just I'm worried about like did it actually get uploaded and well with this Google thing you can actually it's, an, it's a separate app and you basically connect it to your phone to your uh, camera and then just uploads the photo when you take it to yep. your, this Google and so you can see it separately from your on your camera roll and then you can see it in this you know Google Photos but then again, they use some really advanced AI to detect features and faces and like that's one part of them detecting you. But imagine tracing your kids as your kids grow up. They can trace, they can track how their features change. And Oh, what? Yeah, well, I mean Kids' Man, photos. I wouldn't even thought of that. Sorry, am I am I destroying some? <laughs> Good grief! <laughs> some things, but yeah, your kids are growing up. You hey, upload you, photos you can on look them. At my stuff, all you want, but you, you lay off my children. You you don't. I mean, that's the mentality, right? Yeah, and then you'll see like, you'll see like, uh, you know, like Facebook does. Um, five years ago, remember this? <laughs> but then they'll they'll share this with your kids, or they they have the possibility potentially. 20 years ago, remember this? I don't know. I'm not saying that they will do it, but hey, oh, they oh have, yeah, they have the right. capability to do it because they know what you look like now and what you look oh, like before because goodness. your mom or dad uploaded photos if of you. You tagged two. your son as Brady in my case. Yeah. And then eventually Brady Oddall joins Facebook. Oh yeah. Makes the connection pretty quickly. Yeah. Huh. That's that's actually an interesting Wow spin on that like how how does that how do we protect our kids but also can we trust facebook can we trust these social networks that we're using to like not be evil really you know i know that's google's model is like don't be evil <laughs> they're kind of evil sometimes you think so? <laughs> sometimes I mean, like, well, you 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 trade you trade privacy for yes. personalized search results, for unlimited video upload to YouTube. Yep, all that type of stuff. Yep, there's a trade off there. There is a trade off, um, and some people would call that evil. 
Some people call that evil. Yeah. I'm I'm at, not at, at very at the at the very minimum at times it probably should be a little concerning. I'm yeah, I'm not in that camp. So, I think Google does some really amazing stuff. Um yeah. they've actually I, I just found this out they've they've got over 2000 open source projects going on at Google. Oh. Which is crazy. So they I mean they do all kinds of like server things, back back end stuff that we don't ever yeah. hear about, but um their biggest open source project to date probably is Android. I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah. So they bought they bought the the people that made Android um around what like 2006, 2005. Okay. And then they just said, "Hey, if you want to use Android, go ahead." And so that's why we have 10 million Android phone companies out there nowadays and which creates some issues. It creates a lot of issues. Cuz nobody's on the same version. Yeah, it's called fragmentation. Mm-hmm. So you've got people that are, you know, five versions behind you and their phone technically can't get updated to the latest version anymore because, I don't know, many reasons. But, um, yeah, and that's it's, it's frustrating because now you're like, as, you know, a web developer, for example, you're, you're, look, you're building a website and then this bug comes up. Well, you fix it for the latest software, but then... You just have no, you can't go back and fix it for, you know, five software versions ago. Right. You know what I mean? And so it, it's a bad experience for the, the creators and for the consumers, I think, when, you've, when you're so fragmented that you have to go back that far. <sighs> Trade-offs of speeds, privacy, and ownership. Yeah. The one other thing, other thing I was going to mention here is talking about open source a little bit, and um, Apple has really started opening up a little bit. I don't know. Have you have you noticed that? I um, I feel like I remember the WWDC Worldwide Developers Conference. Yeah, was it twenty fourteen or something like that? Where Apple said, "Hey, we're going to let you talk to other apps." Yeah, yeah. Um, because otherwise the apps were extremely siloed. Right. Um, they didn't talk to, you know, your Safari didn't talk to Pinterest. And that was like one of the main ones they were like highlighting at the time. Like you could look, you can pin this picture from Safari. And it talks and to your Pinterest account. talks to Pinterest yeah, account, right? That's really cool. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Yeah. And now we have multiple ways to share from Safari to m- multiple different apps right now. Right. Um, I remember that, but that's kind of, that's the only thing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know much more than that, to be honest. Yeah. And like I said, is that really open source? That's just opening up the. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really opening up the, yeah, the, the development. And I think that's, they know that I think they're going in the right direction. Like, okay, we're going to still, you know, and Apple again makes their money from hardware. So from, from creating these beautiful products that you have in your pocket, um, and so for them, the the benefit also was let's let's lock it down. Let's let's create the best user experience that we can, but lock it down so that people are not you know messing and installing you know Comic Sans as a font because it just oh. you know what I mean. It like destroys the whole. <sighs> I I see people with that text messaging, and if that's if you were one of them, oh, <laughs> I just cringe. 
when I look at like the system font is like this cursive curly, you know, yeah. like, oh, how do you read that? But um, yeah, the Apple, the big announcement, I think it was two years ago, was they created a programming language that mm. took over Objective-C, which is a 30-year-old plus programming language that made all your Mac apps, essentially. Yes. Mm -hmm. So they created a new one called Swift, and it was modern, it was flexible, it was very, you know, it, like they basically listened to the developers and the, the complaints and gripes that developers had over the years. And that was a huge moment. I remember yeah. that. And that was like for for the consumers, it wasn't, it was just, yeah, that's cool. But for the tech industry and for the developers, they were like, this is amazing. And the kicker was it was totally open source. So they published their, remember the source code I was telling you about? They published that yeah. on GitHub, which is a place where you can <laughs> where you can download like source codes and different <laughs> things. Um, and yeah, they're, they're on version three or four, I think now, I think three something. And uh, it's just really cool because developers can go in there. So you and I can download Swift play around with it, make up some, you know, maybe it's a enhancement to the way something gets compiled, for example. We can suggest that as an edit and get it back to Apple for review. And then if they like it, they can accept it. And then it's part of the next version of Swift. It's, it's a really cool, you know, it's a really cool way of getting people involved and like, I think getting buy-in too, you know. Because you don't want to learn language that's just you, like you don't want to learn, you know, ancient Sumerian. That's like a dead language, you know. Right. You want to learn French or German or Chinese or whatever. You know, same with same with this. You don't want to lock down into a developer language that's so niche, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know, you can only do so many things with it versus like Swift where you can do all kinds of stuff. And then I know that they're planning on expanding and maybe doing web development with Swift, which is another huge potential. <laughs> Niche programming. There was one time um, where somebody wanted to have this website built that had to talk to a, a bit database of like COBOL. Which is some oh, yeah. like '80s, I think, yeah. some like Cobol, thing. yeah. Which is, which is <laughs> kind of funny to me because, you know, getting a job for that now is very not likely. However, if you are needed, there's not, there's not that many of you who know the language. Yeah. So there's actually some money in that in that that capacity, but. But uh, no, I think Swift is exciting. I know that's one of the things that Apple kind of pushed last year when they rolled out apps that um, now even children can work on, like the iPad. And oh, yeah. And learn how to um, code uh, games even. Uh, one of those things where it's almost kind of makes you think that probably in the future all of us are going to know some sort of coding at some some certain level. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think that would be a good good push in the education Yep. sphere like let's let's have kids you know problem solve with with code and yep. not with you know like learn critical thinking skills and all that stuff with now we've got you know you've got all these 
really cool apps that you can create fun games. My son, like Ben loves playing with these, you know, with these coding apps because they're, they're easy and he gets it like, and it's cool to see that, oh, he understands now that <laughs> there's like a little thing in the, you know, there's a path that you have to take this character from one path to the next. And then there's, there's code that he literally can write, like do a turn and this character turns and then they, you know, so it's, it's all this stuff that I think is going to be helpful for a lot of people in the future. So, oh boy, you're actually making me feel a little outdated right now all of a sudden. So why is that? I don't know. I mean, cause I didn't, we didn't grow up that way. Yeah. Learning code. How about this, sir? Future breakdown. Yeah. Um, so what, I think what uh, what John Deere is doing is probably the exception. Okay. But I don't see... I see this happening um, from the developer perspective. I can see this happening more. Um, with, with, the, with other things, like with cars. So making it more... More closed down. More closed down. Yeah. Yeah, because I think we talked about Volkswagen or something like that. I can't. Anyways, I like. But there's other, but there's other car people that looked into this. Other car manufacturers, yeah. yeah. And I can see this happening again, partly for a couple of reasons. One of them is, you know, we've spent so much time in R and D. You know, do you really want to mess with the engine or the the computer module for this thing? And and you know, like we've been talking for last couple episodes that you know we're gonna get more like the car is gonna be essentially wheels seats steering wheel and a tiny electric motor like there's not you know the the stuff that's in the car today you're gonna be able to throw away 95 percent of it like carburetor spark plugs oil pan i mean all this stuff really and so it's all gonna be electronically Based. Except a massive computer with software. Exactly, running. it's exactly it. You're you're basically driving a big computer that looks really nice and drives fast. So I can see, you know, the the pro the problem of people trying to override that software, and I think it's going to be kind of that that game that goes on today. Like you have people, you know. That's that's what happens with Apple and the jailbreak. Jailbreak is going to say jailbreaking your vehicle. Yeah, you jailbreak your oh, phone, and then Apple comes up with an update that breaks the jailbreak, and then it's just the same cycle over and over. But um, with the vehicle, it's a little bit more involved because now you've got human lives, you right? People driving and or human lives around you at the very least, right? Right. right. So um, I expect this this is not over yet, Peter. Wow. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But how about you? What's your take? Oh. I'm going to go. I, I agree with what you're saying. The one thing I will try to talk on a little bit is this privacy deal. There are certain times where I feel like, man, nobody cares about this privacy stuff. Okay. Obviously by our actions. Yeah. More than anything, yeah. We like, we say we care about it, but we don't. We really don't care with we don't with we our don't actions. use a incognito browser or anything like that. I mean, 
or DuckDuckGo or something like that. Um, yeah, I've used DuckDuckGo actually. Used DuckDuck. <laughs> okay. For like, I changed it for yes. like a few months and it was uh, it was pretty good. Okay, just to clarify, DuckDuckGo is a search engine like Google. Yeah. But it strips out advertising. Like, yeah, and info yeah. Uh, collection. So, um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I constantly change my mind on this, but. I still feel like convenience is going to end rule the end of the day for a good portion of the next 10 years. So yeah. people will still give up their privacy for this. Um, and they will still probably even give up ownership to a certain extent of, yes, I bought this vehicle and man, this stinks, but yes, I'll pay the $300 surge charge. And for you to come out and yeah. plug a USB in the tractor, <laughs> or in your case, your vehicle. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That's. I feel like I should have a better answer for this, but. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer at this. I point. know that's. Uh, I'm still excited about the future, but this is one of those things that it does concern, and multiple levels, because the ownership means it's going to be more cost. Um, if the company owns it all, even though it might make things a little safer, even in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like I said, convenience, I feel like will rule, will rule the end of the day in, in many cases. So people will probably give up some of their privacy, some of their ownership in order to have that those features. So I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've got a, we've got a pretty interesting world that we're living in now. And um yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Um, we we appreciate you sticking with us and, and uh, downloading our episodes. Um, you can find us out on futurebreak.net. Um, and it lists all of our social media, but uh, we're pretty active on Twitter and Facebook. So Future Break Pod, P-O-D, on Twitter and at Future Break on Facebook. If you just search for us, you could find us. Um, I've been trying to post a, some more articles on Facebook. Yeah. In Twitter, I've seen it. yeah, and I think it's uh, yeah, if you guys like that, I think we can continue doing that. Just finding articles that we, you know, that we think are relevant or or interesting, and so uh, we'll keep doing that. Uh, what else can they do, Peter? Um, feel free to go out to your favorite podcast player, whether that be Overcast, um, Google Play, or iTunes, and uh, we would love a rating and review. Um, this is. We do this, yeah, we like talking, to be honest, but um, we also want to be cognizant of what you guys like. So feedback there is always always a blessing. Yep. And if you want to send us an email, you can send it to futurebreakpodcast at gmail.com. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Anyways, thanks all for listening in. We'll see you again next week. And have a magical week.